Zero. Zilch. Nada. Yes, it's true. A 15-year fixed at just 1.75% rate, 2.140% APR with no points and no title escrow or appraisal fees. Save thousands, even tens of thousands by calling signontheline.com at 800-668-1933. 800-668-1933. Home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. The Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Weekdays at 4 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. KKGK Las Vegas. Zach dishes in front. Another sliding. That's saved by Flurry. This time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity. Lizada sliding. Pad save. Robin Leonard. What a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling along here, hour number two, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Brian McCormick, Chris Chapman. As we get into winners and losers from day one of free agency, NHL free agency, I do want to just cycle back here for a moment and allow you guys to indulge me on something I find to be incredibly funny and very, very fascinating in terms of the Edmonton Oilers and their dead cap due to buyouts and retained salary. So we all remember July 1st, 2016, the Edmonton Oilers. It's a seven-year deal, $42 million. They sign Milan Lucic. Then a couple years later, it's not working out. Milan Lucic is traded for James Neal. It's a one-for-one trade. You've got two guys, signed big contracts, not working out. You just swap the players. Well, what ends up happening is the Edmonton Oilers retain salary in that deal. So they retain $750,000 of Milan Lucic's salary when they traded him to the Calgary Flames in exchange for James Neal. Well, 
when the Edmonton Oilers bought out James Neal a couple of days ago, now Milan Lucic and James Neal both count against the cap for the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. James Neal is going to cost them $1.916 million for the next four years, and there's still two years left of $750,000 in Milan Lucic. So there you go. That is great cap strategy from the Edmonton Oilers. I also, I mean, maybe we should give Minnesota a bit of a break because we were all over them about the dead cash space of Parisi and Suter and how are they going to be able to get anything done. Well, Edmonton has that dead cap situation, and they still gave $3.5 million to Cody Cece while also <laughs> paying Duncan Keith <laughs> and Tyson Berry. It's uh, – Basically, the, the the cap is basically the salary cap is basically Mean Girls. The limit does not exist. It's it's <laughs> fascinating to see what the Edmonton Oilers have done with their team. But uh, as as weird and strange as as a ride as it's been for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they did not make my winner list and they did not make my loser list. So there's there's that. At least they've got that going for them, which is probably a good thing. But let's get into it. Winners, losers, it's way too early to tell. We're never really going to know until maybe the end of next season or beyond just who did win the day yesterday when NHL free agency opened. But at least we can throw some different storylines your way in trying to parse through all of the deals that were done yesterday. So I'm going to throw it out to you, Chris Chapman, first. Give me your first winner of the day. Well, I think my first winner of the day, and it's it's funny because I think we we kind of were unsure what this franchise was going to do following the expansion draft because they they kind of left us scratching our head, right? Like, why are they taking this guy? Why are they taking that guy? But, I mean, they signed Alexander Wenberg, which I think we all would agree is is a signing that a lot of guys or a lot of teams would have liked to have made, but they get that done. Then... Maybe the shocker of the day, they sign Vezina Trophy finalist, Philip Grubauer, to a six-year deal. And then they end the day by signing Jaden Schwartz from St. Louis. So I think you look at those three signings, and all of a sudden, they instantly improve their team from a team we weren't really sure what their identity was to a team that all of a sudden has two really good goalies. The fact that they were willing to trade one of them back to the team that they drafted from in, in Vanacek to, uh, back to Washington. So they, they're, they're set at the goaltender position. They have a center who we now think will, will, will get big minutes for them, and Schwartz is a, is a pretty solid player as well. So I think in the course of a week, the Kraken went from a team where we're not really sure to a team like, you know what, these guys might be okay, especially in a very weak Pacific division. So in terms of the Kraken, because I, I had them amongst my winners too, the way that I look at it, they get a center, they get a score, and they get a goalie. Now, I I think that in terms of Grubauer, it, it makes sense with Dreger and Grubauer to kind of be that tandem. I, I look at those two goaltenders and I say, in terms of the Pacific Division, in terms of true tandems or guys that, that you can kind of see splitting time, though I, I would expect Grubauer is going to be um, the heavy 1A in this situation, I like, I love their goaltending. And we've seen if you build from the net out, you have a good chance of winning most nights. And in this division, I think that this sets the Seattle Kraken up to, to be a team that could push legitimately for the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Grubauer acquisition was great. It's funny, we talked about Seattle's expansion draft, how many uh, 
side deals there weren't before. Yes. They kind of reversed it. Not that they did a ton, but after the fact, they, they drafted Vitek Vanacek, which we all thought was a good idea, and then their whole plan all along. Well, I, I don't even know. Was their plan all along to send Vitek Vanacek right back to Washington after a mini hostage situation to get assets? Or was it because <laughs> Philip Grubauer fell in their lap, <laughs> and they said, oh, all right, well, let's upgrade, and we, we'll, we'll flip Vitek Vanacek back to the same uh, owner that we got him from, you know? So, unique. I, I will wonder over time, especially with, uh, with length, uh, I'm trying to remember. I just want to look it up real quick. Jaden Schwartz is. I feel like he's been around forever, and I, I'm wondering if he is if he's younger than I think he is. I thought that he was my age, like 31, 32 in that in that neighborhood. Uh, and survey Jayden says Schwartz 29, is 29, 29. Yep. Okay, so I just want to at 29, five and a half million a year over five years. I wonder if you're going to like that on the back end when he's 34. Um, I, I agree. I thought Seattle had a, a good day. But between Schwartz and Wenberg, I wonder if maybe they overpaid just a little bit. But that's the beauty of, of their expansion draft and setting themselves up the way they did to have cap space that you can overpay a little bit. So when you combine those three and the Alexiaks and Larsons before them, Seattle had a good day, but they were not my number one. So let me let me ask you this question, just in terms of Jaden Schwartz, because I, I think it's a fair point in bringing up, you know, twenty nine five and a half million. When you consider that Zach Hyman went seven years by five and a half million, I I think that I'd rather have Jaden Schwartz in that situation. What say you? Yeah. Uh, yes, if I'm getting the peak Jaden Schwartz. And the reason yeah. I bring that up is that last year, Jaden Schwartz was not very good. And two years ago, he was fine. It's, you know, it's almost like we talk about the Riley Smith arc. Jaden Schwartz, mm-hmm. go back to the last three years. Eight goals last year, 22 the year before, 11 the year before that, 24 the year yeah. before that. It's a little seesaw-ish, but he's always dependable. Last year was a year, and it's so hard to judge anybody on last year because yeah. it was so abnormal. Um, but you're definitely, if you're Seattle, for the money you gave him and the length you gave it to him for, you're hoping that you're going to see a, a bounce back a little bit. And he's totally capable of that, but it makes me hold my breath just a little bit. Is Jaden Schwartz moving away from 25-goal potential well, Jaden Schwartz? I, I would just worry for the, for the amount that they gave him. I'll, I'll say this, and, and obviously, you know, nothing is a perfect science, but he did only play 40 games last year. So if you figure he plays 80 games this season, his numbers are 16 and 26. That looks a little bit more reasonable sure. than, than 8 and 13. But, but I'm also going off memory, and and this is my memory is, of course, going to be flawed. I feel like there were stretches of Jaden <laughs> Schwartz frustration. I, I'm, I'm actually going to try to look up right now. I wonder how many of those points, too, are two-goal games, three-goal games. Is there a cluster of activity Yeah, that's, and, that's and always a lot a of inactivity? And so for, to, to your point, like, I think that, you know, you, you kind of hope that that when you when you sign a player that's kind of been up and down where he's had good years and then it's been followed up by not so good years and then a, a big rate rebound. Um, I just kind of hope that it's 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 something that when you sign him, it stabilizes a bit. And I think it's going to depend, obviously, on who Jaden Schwartz is playing with. Uh, but I, I like the player, and I like the fact that it's two years less than Zach Hyman with a little bit less wear and tear on the body. Um, I 
I don't know. I, I like I like the player and and I like the fit a little bit more uh, for for Schwartz in Seattle uh, as opposed to Hyman in Edmonton. Though again, uh, the fit alongside Connor McDavid is going to look good on really any player. So uh, the Seattle Kraken, I had them on my list. They're not my number one winner. My number one winner in free agency is Dougie Hamilton. It's Dougie Hamilton because dude got paid. And oh, I thought you were going to say because he's going to New Jersey. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's seven years. It's $63 million. It's a $9 million average annual value. Um, the the structure of the contract is very much interesting. Uh, it, it's it's a <laughs> you got the 2025-26 season. Dougie's got a $10.55 million signing bonus. Like, that is a beautiful thing. I love to see it. Um, okay, in terms of Dougie Hamilton, I know that it's a knock on Dougie Hamilton that he's been with multiple different teams throughout his NHL career. But when I look at the way that he's played and the points that he's put up consistently between different teams, I have no doubt he's going to come in and be what the New Jersey Devils expect him to be, and that is an offensive-minded defenseman who's not the greatest in his own zone, but hey, he's going to score some goals, he's going to put up some points, and I like Dougie Hamilton at seven years, $9 million. At the end, it's not going to be great. I don't really care. I just think he's a good player. It's a little reliant, too, on on a bounce back a little bit for P.K. Subban because right now you're paying $18 million to Dougie Hamilton and P.K. Subban, presuming (laughs) P.K. Subban is there on the the opening night roster. Um, But you look at the back end, I think think that – I think New Jersey and Fitzgerald did some some good things. The, the Hamilton ad, it was probably the biggest fish out there on the free agent market. They landed him. Uh, if yeah. you get even a modicum of what P.K. Subban used to be, gravy. Damon Severson was probably one of the better defensemen on that roster, and you get him at, at half the value of the other two. Uh, but then the addition of Ryan Graves is sound. Ty Smith is going to be the best defenseman on that roster probably, and you're paying him pennies for the next two years. So it's a good back end. Uh, the Bernier edition is sneaky sound in adding a little bit of more competition in the blue paint. Uh, and it's a team that's been drafting high the last couple of years and, and can add some there as well. So good day for New Jersey. Great day for Dougie Hamilton. Uh, but I also wonder, it, it's a big swing for a New Jersey team that I thought was more than one Dougie Hamilton piece away, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with you there. When I look at the New Jersey Devils, this certainly can't be everything that they do because they, they're, they're more, there's more pieces to the puzzle that need to be solved for the Devils in order to be a playoff team next season or really in the next couple of years. Uh, so I, I like the fact that they were able to land Dougie Hamilton. I like the fact that they were able to go out and get the big fish. Uh, what comes next for the New Jersey Devils will be interesting. Brian, your biggest winner on the day. First, I just need to get this off my chest or it's going to drive me crazy. Just to close the Jaden Schwartz point, he had two goals mm-hmm. and ten points in the first 11 games last year. He scored in yeah. four of the remaining 30 games. So that's where my impression is <laughs> coming from. Oh, boy. And maybe maybe he can be, again, that's that's uncharacteristic for him. But maybe change the scenery yeah. guy. Gives me a little bit of pause. Now, apologies for the, uh, the segue. Uh, not segue, the detour. Uh, my number one winner... <laughs> I thought the Boston Bruins had a really good couple of days. You yeah, put I don't them in the about it. put them in the category of another one of those teams that's close. They're right there. What can they add to the mix to supplement? Mm-hmm. 
And yep. gosh, is their bottom six and beyond better. Eric Holla, tremendous addition. Thomas Nosek, great bottom six addition. For both of those, we know well. Uh, Nick Foligno at 3.8 a year. That's a great add to your middle six. Derek Forbert for defensive stability on the back end. More important than any of this, they keep Taylor Hall, and they do it for four years at six mil each. That's a, You're paying slightly more for Taylor Hall than Zach Hyman is in, in Edmonton. <laughs> so they got great additions. They kept Brandon Carlo, who they thought they were going to have to trade away last deadline to, to add pieces. So you're keeping Hall, you're keeping Carlo, you're keeping Riley, while you're adding uh, Nosek, Howla, Felino, and perhaps most importantly, when you're losing Tuka Rask, if not per- permanently, then for medical procedures for all of next season, this is going to be the one question mark. We'll see if they hit it right, but they got Linus Olmark, a uh, four-year deal, a good number, who is going to be, uh, after, you know, he's played well in Buffalo, he's got a better team in front of him, and he's coming into that time where it should be kind of prime time blossoming for a goaltender of his caliber, and you'll be able to pair him uh, probably, I guess, with uh, for for cost reasons, Jeremy Swayman, who gave us a really, really fascinating taste last year, and we'll see if that's real. Um, again, I don't know if that's the combo they'll go with, but Olmark is in the mix as a signing, uh, and that'll be the one area of where it's going to be, okay, let's hope we bet on the right people because this part of our game is unproven. But everywhere else, they are stacked, they added, they're still under the cap, although they probably like a little bit more breathing room, and if you look at who at their ledger, after this year, Next year, an unrestricted free agent is Patrice Bergeron. He'll be back. They'll they'll do whatever they have to have to bring him back. And they're going to have a restricted free agency conversation to have with Charlie McAvoy. Everybody else is on the books for at least two years. So they are stacked. They added smartly. They added cost-effectively. And it's they're going for it this year, of course, but they got a bit of a window here now to do some work. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the the key for me when it comes to the Boston Bruins, and it's a, a long-standing bit on this show that I I've been waiting for the window to close on the Boston Bruins, and, and this uh, this free agency situation for Boston has essentially kept the window open. And yeah. I think that you look at it, you look at the moves they made, the the Noshik signing, the Hall signing, that that all is really really good work uh, by Don Sweeney. But then, you know, I, I I'm I'm an Olmark guy. I think that when you are are not when you're good when you are a bright spot on a team that is as bad as the Buffalo Sabres have been, uh, I think that within a little bit more structure, you're probably going to be a little bit better. Now, obviously, it might take a little bit of time for Olmark to get used to playing in front of a team that actually does you know, defend. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I think that the Boston Bruins have, have really kind of, I don't want to say reloaded, but they've certainly put themselves into a position where I, I believe they are a really, really elite team, and they're they're getting another crack at at a Stanley Cup, and, and, and I think that the the moves made yesterday were really smart decisions made by the Boston Bruins. Now yeah, I want to just add this about Olmark because I think it's a sneaky good signing by the Bruins. In fact, he was a guy that I yeah. wouldn't have minded Vegas signing to be their backup. But the last three seasons in Buffalo, we know how bad the Sabers have been. This is just regulation, not including overtime losses, but in regulation, somehow, some way, the Buffalo Sabres have won more games than they have lost 
when Omark has started. In fact, 15 and 14, 17 and 14, 9 and 6. So, I mean, maybe this is a guy with with a little bit of a team in front of him is actually a pretty good goalie. I mean, his numbers aren't bad. Numbers are good. It, it's 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 sneaky. It's a sneaky good signing, and, and uh, I think I think it's one of those where where a lot of teams around the league are going to say, "Damn it, how did we miss the boat on this guy?" I'll tell you what else too. Again, you're adding Felino to play. You have Howla and Nosek for depth. This makes the forward group pretty crowded. And you talk about the window being open. It's win- it's open for who's on the roster. But again, it wouldn't be shocking if there were some moves to open up a little bit more cap space for them. Of course, this is spitballing, but they now kind of have the the capital, if they wanted to, to trade from a position of strength. So, for example, with another year left on his deal at three point six or whatnot, I don't know if if you wanted to shop Jake DeBrusque, like you could probably get some pretty good offers for him. So, you know, it's it's not just now. They've also given themselves to trade desirable pieces that they don't necessarily need. I threw DeBrusque out there. There's a couple of candidates. And get draft picks to extend that window even more so. Like, they're really they're, – they're, they're elbows deep in riches right now in Boston, and they've done it in such a way that they haven't hamstrung themselves at all in the near future. You know, I, I like the Boston Bruins. I like what they were able to do. It's going to pain me so much next season to talk about the Bruins – um, as as a team that I think is going to do some work in in the uh, in the NHL and the Eastern Conference, but I, I do have one more winner for draft or for free agency day number one, and that is hockey fans. and And I'm going to say hockey fans as an overarching theme here because I'm going Alex Ovechkin. I'm going five years, nine point five million dollars for Alex Ovechkin to play mm. until he's forty and chase down Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record. I I don't know if he's going to do it, but I'm telling you right now, the next five years, Alex Ovechkin has been all all career must see TV as he gets closer and closer and closer and closer to Wayne Gretzky's record. It is going to be absolutely fantastic for hockey. It's going to be great for hockey on ESPN, great for hockey on Turner Sports. It is going to be great for the game. It is going to be great for fans. And I know how bad $9.5 million to a 40-year-old Alex Ovechkin is going to be for the Washington Capitals organization, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. He's <laughs> chasing down greatness, and that's going to be awesome to watch. And I think there's an element of this too. Just when you look at the Capitals, um, you know they're in a win now window too, but they're gonna have a lot of money locked up for Nicholas Backstrom, a lot for Evgeny Kuznetsov. Uh, I I just wonder. I just wonder. Five years from now, are they still contending like they are now? My gut says probably not. John Carlson, they're gonna have books. They're gonna look a lot like the Chicago Blackhawks books looked a couple years ago. And I just yeah. wonder if the team has to go through a bit of a rebuilding phase, if you have to move on from others, Alex Ovechkin and his chase for Gretzky's record has the potential to be uh, your your seat filler in the latter years of that deal. So if they're still if they're still good, then they're good and they're competing. That they can certainly manage to make that happen. But I think there's a part of the the Capitals too is like give them whatever we want because if we're a, a 200 winning percentage team in 2025-26. People are going to be in the building because it'll be Alex Ovechkin. I think there's certainly uh, marketing clout behind the the term and the dollar figure as well to make sure that Alex Ovechkin is wearing a Capitals jersey when he reaches that finish line. 
Yeah, I, that's that's my take on it too. Like I look at the Washington Capitals, I kind of look at the, the their roster and what's already committed to, to players over the course of the next three to five years. I don't expect the Capitals in the last two years of Alex Ovechkin's contract to be Stanley Cup contenders. I expect them to be, quite frankly, not very good. And and I don't think that that matters one bit to the Capitals. They got a Stanley Cup out of Ovechkin, and they're potentially going to get the greatest chase of a Wayne Gretzky record I think we're ever going to see in our lifetime. For that, you pay a premium, and for me, it just makes sense. And I love the fact that it wasn't a one-year deal that Ovechkin signed. I love the fact that it wasn't a three-year deal. This is a deal that I think he looks at and says, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be within the next five years, and he's announcing that he is going right for that record. This was, this was calculated. It was, okay, take the number of goals you need left, divide it by 30 a year. What does that get us? <laughs> Five. All right, that's the deal. Done. And, and, again, like you said, they got a ring out of it. Anything after that's gravy. But let's not uh, overlook the fact this is a team still now that uh, is is the window's still open. They could still get another one in the next couple of years. They're in win-now mode, but still open. And uh, getting Vitek Vanacek back from the uh, from Ron Francis certainly helps that cause. Do you, uh, Chapman? Do you have any other winners, or uh, Brian? You got any other winners? I think that covers the the, the glaring ones. I think a, a subtle. They've announced no moves whatsoever. But if you're the Islanders in the position they were in, and you can add uh, Zach Parisi while retaining Kyle Palmieri and possibly Casey Sezikis, I think they did exactly what they needed to do. Uh, and I'm not going to call them a, run, a runaway winner, but I thought Dallas was interesting with uh, the additions of Raffle, Suter, and Holtby, although that probably won't factor in as much, but I thought they were interesting. Yeah, I thought Dallas was interesting too. I wonder what their plan is with like you know the seventy-five goalies that they have. But right. beyond that, I, I do I do find the Dallas Stars interesting. Chapman, anything you got? Anything? I think. Uh, well, it's it's going to sound funny, but I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are kind of a winner as well. I mean, they were able to re-sign uh, a, a top player. They found cap space by acquiring a guy on long-term IR, and they signed Pierre Edward Bomar. So. I, I think for them, I, I, I certainly don't think they're going to take a step back. Not another one, yeah, boys. Uh, guys, I, sorry, m- m- missing the forest for the trees. Another blatantly good one, like should be in the top couple. Uh, Montreal did really well. Oh, and Montreal. Really well. Tampa, of course, added Corey Perry from yeah. Montreal. Yeah. Montreal kept Yol <laughs> Armia, added David Savard, added Cedric Paquette, added Mike Hoffman. Yeah. Montreal did really well. Yeah, I, I have no problems with any of those winners from day one of free agency. But when we come back, we're going to examine the losers from day one free agency yesterday. That's all coming up next on the Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Interact with the guys on Twitter. Follow them at Darren Millard and at Ryan the Hockey Guy. This is the BGK Insider Show. Rolling right along, hour number two. Golden Knights Insider Show, Ryan Wallace, Brian McCormick, Chris Chapman. We've gone through our winners from day one of NHL free agency. Now it's time for our losers. And, you know, Chapman, I'm going to start with you. Then we're going to go around the horn, bring in Brian, get his number one. Uh, that sounds so mean when I say it, number one loser. But <laughs> Number 32 uh, Chapman, winner. Your, 
Yeah, there it is. That's that's nice and correct, I guess. Um, all right, so Chapman, your your number one loser from day one of NHL free agency. Well, it's a team that's also in the Pacific Division. I think my winner was from the Pacific, and my big loser is from the Pacific, and that's the Anaheim Ducks. They have seventeen million dollars in cap space, and they uh-huh. did absolutely nothing other than bring back Ryan Getzlaff on a one-year deal, who's thirty-six, by the way. That was literally the only move that they did. They signed a bunch of minor leaguers. Former uh, Henderson Silver Knight, I believe, Danny O'Regan, one of them. They signed Greg Paterin. Yawn. That's it. You have all this money to go out and spend. You have a good young core of players. And maybe the plan is to hope that these guys are going to take another step. But based on what they've done... It's going to be another year where the Anaheim Ducks are looking up at a lot of teams in the Pacific Division because they, quite frankly, they stink. But you see, Chap, I think that's smart because you've got Zegras and you've got Drysdale. You're in the middle of a rebuild and a youth movement, and especially looking at this market again. We're talking about Dougie Hamilton was probably the best big fish out there. I don't Mm -hmm. think the Ducks are ready to spend now. They have a lot of cast space, but what were they going to do this year that was going to make them a playoff team? I don't think it existed. Well, maybe not, but, uh, you know, obviously there were trades that could have been made. You could have maybe gotten, I mean, maybe he's not interested in playing in Anaheim, but obviously Seth Jones was a guy that was available. Yeah. That certainly would have improved your defense for, for a long time. Um, you know, I, I just think if we're talking specifically about today, this season, not two, three years down the road, we're talking about right now, you, you got to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I'm a yeah, fan I, of the Anaheim Ducks, why am I buying a ticket to come watch that team? To see Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale. But I, I can yeah. come see them in a couple and, years. And, when they're well, good. Okay, but but Chapman, like the point is that you you don't want to go out and spend a ton of money in free agency and then take minutes away from Zegras, take minutes away from Drysdale because those two guys uh, you're hoping become the cornerstone pieces you expect them to be and then in 3 or 4 or 2 or 3 years when they are exactly what you expected them to be when you drafted them and you're looking at what their trajectory is uh, in terms of their development, then you supplement with your big free agency day. Like, I I don't look at the Anaheim Ducks doing nothing as necessarily a bad thing. I think Ryan Getzloff, he's kind of that heart and soul guy. He's been around forever. He's probably going to retire as a Duck. Um, It's not the worst thing in the world to have your captain, a guy that has won a Stanley Cup, especially young, be around to mentor Zegras, yep. to, to mentor those younger players. And then once it becomes Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale's team, then you go out and make a splash in free agency. I, I think Ryan Getzlav is absolutely, he's a guy whose number is going to hang in the rafters. So if you get him a good number, you mm-hmm. keep him around. He is your culture setter. He is your culture setter. Yep. And then it's the young kids coming along. And, Chap, you say, why, why are you buying a ticket? I understand the, the sentiment. If you commit to it, and the Ducks didn't want to full on for a little while, but now they have. And there's also Sam Steele. There's a couple of guys in that mix. If if yeah. you commit to it, youth movements can be fun. Losing can be surprisingly fun while you're watching the <laughs> 18-year-olds become 19- and 20-year-olds. If you see where it's going, if it has direction, it can be fun. That I feel like that's where they are. So I think Anaheim knew who they were. There was no move they were going to make yeah. that was going to make them go from a tough team to a mediocre team that now doesn't have cap space. Fair enough. I, I, I just look at the fact that they've got all this money to spend and, and really they're they're feeling a non a team that's probably going to be non competitive. Yeah. I mean, granted, they're not going to be the Arizona Coyotes, but 
I mean, they're well, not going to be very good. Okay, that's. I mean, that's. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's in the plans for them to be very good. Like, I, I think there's there's kind of a part of of this rebuild for Anaheim that that you know you, you have to really commit to it. And and I think that right now, because the kids are arriving, you 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 give them a year to figure out the NHL, to figure out what they're going to be, and then you start looking ahead toward the future. Now, you can make the argument that you're wasting the best years of John Gibson's career, and you're absolutely right. You are, but the fact of the matter is I think that that staying the course and not really doing much of anything is probably the best situation right now for the Anaheim Ducks. Brian, your number one or biggest loser? Uh, That's tough. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's no one that I I flat out hated. There's just some that I didn't understand. So uh, yeah, it defeats the purpose. I don't mean to give you a couple, but there's a couple I'm I'm toying with. Uh, Toronto after their loss to Montreal felt like a team that had to go out and do something. Needed some sort of demonstration of fixing what has been a perennial first round exit problem, and they kind of didn't. You know, it, just looking at the and and a team that has no cap flexibility, what could they do? You know, they did a couple yeah. of two-way deals. Carl Dahlstrom has gone that way now. But, you know, the the best player they brought in might be based on potential. It would be like Michael Bunting. You know, and if yeah. Peter Morazic is your goaltending change, I don't think that's going to make a trend as different. So they were a team that I feel like is has to do something and hasn't. Likewise, I feel like Philadelphia is a team that has to do something and kind of hasn't. You brought in Keith Yandel. Nice, but it's not a game changer. This is a team we forget. Like in the middle of the season, they were talking about heads rolling because they gave up 16 goals in two games or something like that. And, you know, there's no dramatic improvement there. These are teams that when they're – and they add Martin Jones, which is probably not going to help the 16 goals in two games conversation. These are are teams that seem to be at some sort of an identity crisis midseason and for Toronto in the playoffs, and I don't know what changed – Whereas the Vegas Golden Knights were smart to say, hey, the Montreal series was tough, but we know what we are and we know what we'll be on our best day. Toronto seems like the op- the opposite of like, okay, we've done this a couple of times now and we can't get over the hump. Something's got to give. And they're again, they're up against the, – they're paying $30 million to three people. Like it's there's not a lot of movement they can do, but I thought they'd do something. And, and then the, the last one, uh, the Rangers gave away Pavel Buchnevich for nothing. And – tried to sign five different versions of the same player like <laughs> i don't know i don't they were basically basically sitting on the sidelines while waiting for a jack eichel conversation i assume but yeah. for all three of these teams that say they are in win now mode names are flying off the boards all around them and they weren't really in on anything which was kind of surprising to me yeah i i i think that when i when i look at kind of the losers of the day and it's funny that you bring up the rangers and kind of sitting on the sidelines there for a jack eichel trade for me um the the biggest loser coming out of the day one of free agency is is jack eichel like i mm. you look at a player who wants out you look at a player who's in limbo in terms of rehab surgery trying to figure out the best course of action for him to resume his career and get himself back to where he needs to be in order to be uh, what Jack Eichel is, which is an elite number one center. Now, I, I understand Kevin Adams' stance. If the deal isn't what I want it to be, I'm in no rush to make a trade. And I fully understand that. I fully get it. If you're not going to be absolutely blown away by what teams are going to offer you, Hold on to the player. 
It's, now the ball's in Jack Eichel's court. So that's why I look at this this kind of opening of free agency. I, I, I thought it was going to happen at the draft. It didn't happen at the draft. I thought it was going to happen on, on day one of free agency. It didn't happen. Now I'm starting to get the feeling that it just might not happen or it's going to happen you know, late in the offseason. And for me, that's that's got to be tough for Jack Eichel to kind of sit on the sidelines waiting around to see what happens with his future. And it's interesting, too, from a Buffalo perspective. So, as again, as I was giving the, the Flyers a hard time, they did add Ryan Ellis. They subtracted Shane Gossespierre. You know, mm-hmm. they they traded Voracek, got Atkinson. To me, that's kind of lateral. You know, so I, I, I'm unfair in saying that they sat around and did nothing. They did things. I just don't know that it made them better. Um, and then the Rasmus Ristolainen trade, I think they vastly <laughs> overpaid for Rasmus Ristolainen. And the reason I say that <laughs> is for Buffalo, it's kind of weird, the, the position they're in now. They got an overpay on Ristolainen. Yay for Kevin Adams. Mm-hmm. I think they got an underpay for uh, for Sam Reinhart in yeah. a you know a, a filler goaltender, essentially, and a first-rounder, fine. But if you got two first-rounders for Ristolainen, you should get that for, for Reinhart. So now the Eichel deal is already hard enough to do. I almost feel like you're so pressured if you're Buffalo – you have to win this deal. You can't do well. You have to win, and you have to win going away. And right now, yeah. nobody wants to talk to you. So can you hang on to Jack Eichel without uh, headaches until the last minute? Perhaps. But also, I, I wonder if, if the expectations on what Buffalo can get back is unrealistic, and if that was fueled by the fact that they won with Ristolainen, so you have to do at least better than that, but they lost – not lost, they, they undersold on Reinhardt, so now you need to use the Eichel deal to make up for what you didn't get for Reinhardt. You know what I mean? I feel like they're they're pulling the rope in five different directions now just to get someone out of town that, in the best of circumstances, is going to be hard to do. Yeah, it, it, you're you're absolutely right. It's kind of, uh, it, you know, for Kevin Adams, it's been up and down, right? Like, you look at what you were able to, to do for Rasmus Ristolainen, and you say, oh, my goodness, Kevin Adams, fantastic work. And then, you know, the, the Sam Reinhardt, deal is an interesting one for me like I like Devin Levy he's not ready but it's it, it's at least I think a player that might develop into something for the Buffalo Sabres but you know beyond that in terms of a Jack Eichel trade you're always going to lose that trade because you're giving up the best player now yeah. there are are the question marks surrounding health for Jack but I mean you know for Kevin Adams this is a lose-lose situation you just have to try to mitigate it as go- as best as you can to win yeah. some aspect of this deal Right, like you need to, you, you need to. to, you need to look back on this trade. It'll be a win. They can win, but the win has yeah. to be that was the moment the rebuild. How was they started? They've done it six times now, but that was, you know, <laughs> this playoff team in 2025. We can direct its roots directly back to the Jack Eichel. This has to be a nitro injected fuel explosion of rebuilding, and he's trying and, and to make so- it that. But I feel like the expectations now have become such that it's it's going to be hard to do. And so, like, that's the interesting thing about it because, you know, there there have been links to Anaheim. And it's, it's funny because this kind of comes full circle in terms of the Anaheim Ducks. And, and really, Chris Chapman, what you were talking about in terms of making a big splash, a, a, mm-hmm. big, a big move of some sort, I don't think it behooves or benefits the Anaheim Ducks in any way, shape, or form to go out and try to get Jack Eichel yep. if it costs you Trevor Zegras or Jamie Drysdale. Like, it just doesn't make or any both. sense to do that. <laughs> Or yeah, or both. Like I mean, that would certainly be 
an absolute steal for the Buffalo Sabres, and that's where their price tag is in terms of what you would look for in a package from, from Anaheim. But it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever for the Anaheim Ducks to make that splash because they're not a Jack Eichel away. They're a, a Jamie Drysdale development, a Trevor Zegras development, and then a few free agents away from figuring out what they are. And what makes it tough, Chap, you know, chime in here too, is the reason the Buffalo has the problem is that when they got Eichel, that was supposed to be this. Hey, yeah. this is our new shining 18-year-old future, and we'll start the rebuild now. And they did it so unsuccessfully that it's not just about getting as many prospects as you can. That's certainly part of it. They need a new Eichel. They need to take Jamie. You know, again, Owen Power maybe is a great uh, example. You know, Ras- uh, Rasmus Dahlin hasn't been that shiny just yet, but he's still young. But you need. You need a nucleus of your rebuild, and when you look at Zegras and Drysdale, like those are the kinds of guys you're like, you know, we we don't just need great prospects and great potential. No, 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 we need a new guy that we can build as a savior. And as we know, because we were there to see the McDavid Eichel back to back draft, like there just aren't that many out there, and that's kind of what they need to at least be able to sell that they got. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's fair, right? I mean, you have two young guys that you think are going to develop into stars. It's just that you don't really have a lot around them. And I, I, I guess my, my thinking is always, look, I, as a fan, I don't want to think three, four years down the road. I, yeah. I, I think that's the – I'm a New York Jets fan. I've been thinking – Me too. I've, yeah. So we've been thinking three, four years down the road for our <laughs> lifetimes. You know, so the thing is sometimes prospects don't develop the way you, you, you think or you hope. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with these two guys because they both look like they're going to be outstanding players. And, of course, you, you had Comtois in there, and he looks like he's going to be a really good young player as well. But as a fan, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm putting my fan cap on. I don't want to have to sit through a rebuild. I want to be competitive. And sometimes it's, it's the impatience, right? I mean, if you're impatient as a fan, I think that's natural. I, I, I think the worst thing you could do is say, oh, we're, we're two or three years away because you don't know what's going to happen two or three years down the road. But, Chap, there's one thing you can do that's worse than that. You could be the Buffalo Sabres. Well, right now you've got Jack Eichel. <laughs> Jack Eichel was not completely alone, right? They brought in Jeff Skinner. They brought in Kyle Ocpozo. I mean, Ocpozo was before Eichel, but he's still there, the point is. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 tried, they tried to surround right. him, but unfortunately what they tried failed. So if you are, if you are Anaheim and you send out two jewels to bring in Jack Eichel. And now Jack Eichel is in Anaheim with an aged Ryan Getzlaff, an aging Adam Henrique. Aren't yeah. you Buffalo West? If if I if, if Buffalo can't You're- come close to success with Eichel and no one around him, if I'm Anaheim, why do I want Eichel with no one around him? Well, and, and maybe I, I don't know. Maybe Eichel's not now, the direction you go if you're Anaheim. But, but now you're now you're going from. Do you want to be uncompetitive for two or three years? Now you're possibly signing up to be what the Sabers are, which is uncompetitive for the last twelve years. Yeah. That's, a, that's a worse situation. You're in a situation there where if there's nothing around, you're waiting for those five years to tick off. Really, like that's that's what you're waiting for, and then at that point, maybe you're having to start a rebuild. Maybe you're going yeah. to be right back to where you are right now with with Zegras and and Drysdale kind of coming in to their own and figuring out what they are at the NHL level. And if you're Anaheim right now, you actually have something valuable, which is time. Don't look yeah. at the standings. Don't look at the result on the scoreboard tonight because this is the process. Seventy Sixers trust the process. In a couple of years, wait till you see those guys. That's what Buffalo had and squandered. Buffalo right now doesn't even have – there's nobody coming. 
you know, it's like Jack Quinn at some point, but but he's not Eichel either. Like, there's no one coming, so they need to do something now to reset the clock of of optimism. Well, right I, now, right now, the, the the Ducks are on the right side of the clock of optimism, and you you might as well use it. And and you could make the argument that the process in Philadelphia failed. I mean, for for mm-hmm. it, it, it is all for all <laughs> sure. the tanking that they did, for them to only be a mid mid level team in the Eastern Conference, it's. it's probably an argument as to why you shouldn't tank because I mean I haven't seen a team intentionally try to tank for as many years in a row as they did and accumulate as many draft picks as they have to just basically be mediocre now they may move Ben Simmons so you don't know what's going to go on there but outside of MB nothing really worked out for them in terms of trusting the process but it's also why again, look, look where the VGK is right now where they've added pieces every year. You're almost you're not rebuilding on the fly, but you're you're just refreshing every year when the opportunity presents itself. It's what Boston's doing right now that we just talked about. You never want to go into full rebuild because when you go into full rebuild, I mean, when you get there, you get there. But you need you need certain things to go right. There's some luck involved, so you you stave that off as long as you can. Right now, that's just where Anaheim and Buffalo have been. Anaheim right now making the best of it. Buffalo right now trying to find out how to do it again. Yeah, and in terms of of Anaheim, like I, I don't look at that as tanking. I look at that as as you've you've gotten yourself to this point with your prospects. Now give them a chance to figure out if they're going to pan out, and then you build from there. We're back and- to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wrapping it up here on a Thursday. One more show left. That's tomorrow, and then we will. Have a bit of a hiatus for the month of August. Brian McCormick, thank you for joining us today. Always appreciate when you stop by. Right now, it's a very quick and abbreviated catching up with Chapman. Yeah, uh, I just want to say I we, I have the Olympics on both TVs in this studio. And watching the gymnastics, I still am amazed at how unbelievably ridiculous some of the things that these gymnasts do, the amounts of twists and flips and I know there's no way, even when I was in shape, I could have done any of it. So it, it absolutely fascinates me just how athletic these girls are. Well, the guys, too. Well, there you go. Brian, thank you. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the time off next month. Oh, we will. We will indeed. One more show. We'll be back with you tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.